Welcome to Now Charleston. I'm Sam Spence. It's Friday, April 22nd. Now Charleston takes a look at a handful of issues three times a week and tells you why they are important. The fate of a bill to establish early voting in South Carolina that passed the House and the Senate may be up in the air. The state Supreme Court has halted the planned execution that would have been the state's first execution in a decade and the first using the state's new firing squad. At least four people have said they're planning to run for mayor of Charleston next year. We'll take a quick look at that race. And it's Highwater Festival weekend. Let's look ahead and see what's on tap and then check out what's going on in Park Circle if you're in the area. Those stories, starting now. A bill to allow for early voting in South Carolina sounds like it might be in jeopardy after an amendment to give state senators more oversight over South Carolina's elections officials. A proposal that started as a pretty down-the-middle, if conservative, bill to provide what 44 other U.S. states have, uh, some form of real early in-person voting, has had an amendment added to it that could doom it to be voted down by either the House or vetoed by the governor. Initially, the bill would have provided two weeks of early voting in the state, uh, but it also codified some of the issues conservatives had about the more some of the more permissive rules that allowed voting during the COVID-19 pandemic. If you remember, right now the state has these kind of pointless rules for voting outside Election Day. You have to sign a form picking from a list of reasons why you can't vote on Election Day, everything from vacation to work to age and religious reasons. The reform proposal passed unanimously in the state house. State senators, though, had other plans. Upset with how the state's former head of elections handled the 2020 election, senators added an amendment that would give them more oversight over who the governor appoints to the state elections board. The bill ended up also passing unanimously in the Senate. So right now, the bill heads back to the House, since it's different than the version they passed, so they could adopt the Senate changes or reject them. If they reject them, they could send it to a conference committee, which is a group of senators and uh, state reps, and they'll kind of hash out the differences before it then goes to the governor. Or they could send it back to their own House committees, and that kind of just restarts the process. That's essentially killing the bill. To Republicans in Columbia, this is an election security bill. That's the talking point they're pushing as national Republicans parrot Trump-connected conspiracies that cast doubt over elections nationwide. No significant election fraud was reported in South Carolina during the 2020 election, despite all the holes that Republicans say they're now filling. Republicans are calling it election reform, but the most substantive piece of this is the early voting. McMaster reportedly told senators previously that he may veto any bill with the Senate amendment in it. Uh, according to the AP, but senators passed the bill anyway. So it's a bit of a game of chicken here between the senators and the governor, uh, it seems. And the senators think that the House and the governor are kind of in cahoots here. McMaster also tweeted a pretty weak threat this week that people would know who killed the bill uh, from the state Senate. So they'll know who killed an election security bill to fix non-existent election security issues. Or who knows how he'll frame it on the campaign trial when McMaster goes and endorses challengers in some of these summer primaries. That's one thing that could happen. Senators seem pretty unfazed by the governor, though, with Charleston State Senator Sandy Sen uh, saying a few days ago, if we give in every time the House and the governor want to team up, we lose, period. So now the bill sits before the House. It's unknown if we'll have early voting before the June primaries or the November gubernatorial elections. 
The execution of Richard Moore has been postponed temporarily by the state Supreme Court. Convicted of murder in a 1999 robbery gone wrong, uh, the court granted Moore's last-minute appeal earlier this week. Moore was convicted of robbing a Spartanburg store unarmed to bankroll his cocaine habit. But when the clerk pulled a gun on him and a fight ensued, the gun went off and killed the clerk, and Moore was convicted of murder. The execution was scheduled to take place April 29th. Moore, who's the first inmate to have the option to die at the hands of the state's new firing squad, chose the newest method. The state requires inmates sentenced to the death penalty to choose between electrocution and firing squad. His appeals seek to give him some more time to ask other courts to determine whether his sentence fits the crime he committed or whether the state's methods of execution constitute cruel and unusual punishment. Another death row inmate has also had his execution scheduled for next month. Brad Sigmund is scheduled to die May 13th. Not much else to report on this right now, though the state Supreme Court said it would submit a more detailed order on, on Moore's stay of execution later. Charleston City Councilman Peter Shade is the latest person to jump into the race for mayor, uh, set for November 2023. Shade, an attorney who represents West Ashley on City Council, is the fourth person to indicate an interest in the race, but there's likely going to be others. Incumbent Mayor John Tecklenburg said he will run for a third term. Uh, if you remember in 2019, he was elected to a second term, defeating incumbent Councilman Mike Seekings in a runoff election. Also indicating interest is Clay Middleton, a political strategist and public affairs specialist with close ties to Congressman Jim Clyburn, and state rep uh, William Cogswell, who is not running for re-election to his downtown statehouse seat, has also said he's considering a run. Cogswell is a developer by trade and a pretty moderate Republican by Columbia standards. The race is nonpartisan, and the winner must get at least 50% of the vote, so a crowded field almost certainly means another runoff election, just like Tecklenburg had in his previous two elections. Uh, the first time, he defeated state rep Leon Stavronakis. The second time, it was Seekings. The race is a year and a half away, November 2023. So a lot can happen between now and then, but one thing's for sure. There are going to be other people who become a part of this conversation. High Water Festival returns to North Charleston this weekend for the first time since 2019. The festival, put on by local duo Shovels and Rope, uh, will feature a ton of big-name music acts over the next two days this year, uh, just as in years past. This weekend's lineup features Jack White, My Morning Jacket, Modest Mouse, Black Pumas, Mavis Staples, Delta Spirit, and a ton more. The Saturday-Sunday festival is sold out. But tickets seem pretty available on the official resale page or on social media if you check your big neighborhood Facebook page in your area. Uh, I've seen a few pop up on the Wagner Terrace Facebook page or the Park Circle page over the past few days. Kaylin Oyer over at the Post and Courier has a good kind of download on how the festival became just one of a handful of big events to have set up shop uh, at Riverfront Park there in North Charleston. So check that out at nowcharleston.com. The park is just a few minutes from the Park Circle area, which is also my neck of the woods. So if you're heading up and want a place to stop before or after the shows, or even if you're not attending and just want to kind of hang out, um, here's a little list of personal faves to hit in the neighborhood uh, in no particular order. There are a couple breweries. Common House Aleworks is close to the East Montague Strip and has solid beer and a great outdoor area. Holy City Brewing is a little bit further away, but it has great food and is also pretty big, so it might be a good spot if other things are looking crowded. 
the Tattooed Moose is now open in Park Circle, and it's already got a big following. Uh, it also has a big outdoor area and solid food. Stems and Skins, a wine bar with great cocktails, is also a good stop with a different vibe than the other spots. Um, I remember my wife and I went there on the way home from one of the past festivals, and I was tired, and I think uh, Matt Tunstall, the owner, suggested a traditional daiquiri, and that hit the spot, man. Um, the Stems is super laid back. It'll be muggy outside probably this weekend. Uh, the AC is always pumping in there, so it's it's a really nice place to hang out. Um, Paddock and Whiskey is also next door if you haven't checked that out yet. They have solid food to uh, serve pretty late. One more move, if you cut out early on Saturday, might be to call in an order at Park Pizza and then go grab a drink at Ship's Wheel, uh, hard cider across the street on Montague, or go grab a beer at Brew Cellar. Um, both of those spots are, are pretty good go-tos in general, too. Should be a fun time this weekend. Um, fingers and toes crossed that Sam finishes the Monday show, either late Friday or early Sunday. Um, it's going to be a long couple days. That's all I've got for you today. If you have feedback for the show, you can leave a voice message at 843-474-1319 or email sam at nowcharleston.com. You can rate and review the show in Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. That's a big help, too. And as always, check nowcharleston.com for links and notes from every episode. To make sure you don't miss anything, follow twitter.com slash nowcharleston and instagram.com slash nowcharleston. Thanks so much for listening. I will be back on Monday with the next Now Charleston.